I'm Jeff Sturtz, and this is Wide Awake, a podcast offering biblical insight and encouragement. I was glad to be alive. That was my experience after attempting, for the very first time, to operate a stand-on lawnmower. A few years back, I worked on a landscaping crew for a summer, doing a variety of jobs from hauling mulch to edging sidewalks to planting flowers. But one day, a few days into the job, the boss and I pulled up to a house, unloaded the equipment from the trailer, and he informed me that he thought this property was a good chance for me to learn a new piece of equipment, a stand-on mower. If you're not familiar with this type of mower, it's the kind that has a large mowing deck in the front, about three times the width of your regular residential push mower, and on the back protrude some handles, throttles, and a wheeled platform that you stand on while operating. It's sort of like skateboarding on grass, only with blades. But one thing was different about this particular mower. The let go of everything to make it stop kill switch was not operational. So that meant if you let go of this mower, it would just ride away. So I was told, don't let go. I began as gingerly as I could to get the hang of it, but I happened to be operating it right next to a large, busy road with lots of cars coming by, depending on the state of the stoplight nearby. As I had made it a few feet down the lawn, something went wrong. I let go of one of the handles, which caused the mower to take a complete 90-degree turn toward the direction of the handle that I had just let go of. I tried to get a hold of this thing, and in doing so, shot it right out onto the road. Still trying to grab both handles, I was there in the road, blades a-running, and doing 360s, barely keeping one foot on the stand-on deck of the stand-on mower. Fortunately, in the end, I happened to have entered this dance with death before the wave of cars had made it that far down that particular road, and thus avoiding a fatal collision. After regaining control, I was terrified, angry, and thought perhaps an open field might be a better venue for my next lesson. Still, in the end, I survived unscathed. When I got on that mower, I was hoping that the mower would work for me. I was hoping that I would be able to control it, use it, benefit from it. Instead, and very quickly, the mower was controlling me. That's kind of how it is with idolatry. We discussed in our last episode the subtle ways in which idolatry can enter into our lives. We said that it was rooted in the Romans 1 concept where instead of us serving the Creator, we exchange the truth of God and serve the creation instead of the Creator. But what we didn't discuss was what happens to us when we do this? What happens when our loyalty to the Creator is shifted to something else? Well, Romans 1 gives a hint. It uses the word serve. When we shift our worship from God We, as human beings, created to worship, will worship something else. But in worshiping, we also serve it. That means that whatever we are serving has some level of dominance over our lives. When Jesus called his audience to repentance to God, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was making a point that when you worship and serve something else besides God, it creates a heavy burden of service on you. It is not easy. It is not light. Instead, whatever it is, it is a cruel and unrelenting taskmaster. 
Just like the lawnmower, instead of it serving you, like you thought it would, an idol, a different object of worship, makes you serve it, and it does so without mercy. But what is an idol? Ed Welch, in his book with the vivid title, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, says, It includes anything on which we set our affections and indulge as an excessive and sinful attachment. He then says, Idolatry includes anything we worship, the lust for pleasures, respect, love, power, control, or freedom from pain. So, in other words, instead of seeking what we need from God and His Word, we find something else that we think will give us what we want, what we need. When we read the Psalms of David, we find that David intentionally made himself what we might say as an addict of God's Word. He did this because he found that the more he consumed of God's Word and lived according to it, the better his life was, the more satisfied he was, the happier he was. But on the other hand, when we make ourselves an addict of something else, when we look for our happiness and joy in something else outside of God, we find that the more we consume of it, the emptier, the needier, and the more miserable we become. Idols do not work for us like we think they will. We work for them. And unlike serving God, they are unmerciful, unrelenting, and leave us emptier than when we first came to them. Again, I would like to look further into this matter of idolatry in a future episode and to look specifically at the folly of it. But I'd like to leave you with some encouragement from David, who experienced the sweet satisfaction of pursuing God and couldn't help but tell about it. So I'll leave you with David from Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10. He writes, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Thanks for listening. If you don't know what it means to know God personally, please don't hesitate to reach out, and we'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know God. You can email me at info at wileygospel.org. If you're not plugged into and regularly attending a local church in the Wiley area, I invite you to come out and visit. You can find the times and location on our website, wileygospel.org. I look forward to sharing with you more encouragement from God's Word here on Wide Awake.